Jalen Brown is an all-star. I've got some thoughts on where Jalen has come over the course of his career. Then Kelly Olynyk rumors. <sighs> it's more complicated than people are making it. And then later on, I talk to the director of a new Bill Russell documentary coming out next week. It's all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown's 18. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network where it's your team every day. And I'm here for you every day with a free, fresh podcast dropped directly to your device if you're a subscriber. So make sure you've hit that subscribe button. It doesn't matter which app you use. This podcast exists on all of them. It's also on YouTube so you can watch. You can join people in the comments having a lot of uh, fun conversation there going back and forth about the Celtics, about the podcast in the comments so hop in there. I do thank you for making this podcast your first listen every day. I very much appreciate that. I'm John Corrales. I used to play professional basketball a long time ago. Now I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. Today's show, third segment, I talked to Sam Pollard, who directed a two-part documentary on Bill Russell that's coming out next week. That's going to be the third segment. Second segment, we'll talk about the Kelly Olynyk rumors. A rumor popped up thanks to Steve Bulpet on heavy.com. I'll talk about it. It's, it's the kind of big conversation, but I'll tell you the things that people aren't telling you. For some reason, I've read all the stories. There are some very major things here with this rumor, problematic things that I did not read anywhere. So I guess I'll have to be your source for that. But first, let's start with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is an all-star. Officially, we knew it was going to happen, but it was officially announced on Thursday night that Jalen Brown is one of the all-star reserves. So that means Jalen Brown will be in Salt Lake with Jason Tatum and the entire Celtics coaching staff. It's a very green-tinted all-star game. This is very cool. And first of all, first thing that pops into my head is, man, what a great opportunity to tamper. <laughs> Because players and coaches, they they get to, it's almost like passive tampering. Because when the coaching staff gets to hop into a locker room full of these guys and you get to show what this guy is about, show what Joe Mazzulla is about, show what it's like to play with him, for him, uh, all of that stuff, you get a real sense and you get, you get to put it out there to the rest of the league, especially for Joe. First-year head coach, you got to put it out there like, hey, this is what it's like playing in Boston. And Jalen can be there to talk to guys and say, yeah, man, this is really cool. And Jason can be there to talk to guys and say, yeah, this is actually a whole lot of fun. We're, we're really having fun here in Boston, which is a very cool thing to be able to say. And you never know which one of these guys, when their contract is up, will say, hey, you know what? Actually, I think I would want to sign there. And you, you, I know you're probably saying, like, well, we can't sign anybody here. But, but in a couple of years, cap spike. You never know what's going to coincide with where K 
cap spike goes up. Guys are going to, there, there might be money available. The whole league could have money available. These little things where you have two Celtics players, your two Celtics stars and the entire coaching staff, there, kind of showing their stuff. Just saying it could be a little thing where in two, three years, when one of these guys, one of these all-stars says, I'm looking for a new home. I remember the Boston, those guys seemed pretty cool. Let me check them out. Let me give them a call. Let, let me tell my agent I want to talk to Boston if they're interested. And that's all you want, the opportunity to talk to guys. So this is going to be a cool opportunity no matter what. But Jalen making the all-star team, super cool. And I just want to say a couple of things about Jalen Brown. Just beyond the basketball, because he obviously deserves it. He's he's one of the best players in the league. I think he has a, a real chance to be an all-NBA player and get that, that extra money in his contract, the 35% max. Uh, that would be good for him. But beyond that, I, I find Jalen Brown to be a, a really fascinating guy because we're, we kind of hinted at it a little bit with Tom... Uh, a couple of days ago, we were talking about how his brain works and all that. Very introspective. This has been a very introspective season for Jalen Brown. He's talked a lot about his mistakes being in his own head. He's talked about being his own worst enemy. He's talked about thinking too far down the road and not being present in the moment in certain situations. And I just think that it's, Interesting that he has gone down that road this season when he looks at how his, you know, kind of looks at his own path. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. When Jalen talks about that stuff, I mean, that, that's a recognition. You know, how the, the, the jokes, the, the first step is admitting it. It's hard because Jalen does, he's a thinker. And I know one of the criticisms coming into this, his career was he's too smart for the NBA, which is a very racially tinged criticism. But also in there is a, a kernel of truth in that he's smart and he, he is a thinker and he ponders the problems of the world and he's constantly his brain is just wired to constantly be thinking. And I do think that sometimes his brain constantly thinking gets in the way of just reacting and playing basketball. I've said it a million times and it's every basketball coach will tell you if you're thinking on the floor, you're done. And that's not to say that you can't bring the ball up and process and think, but when you see something on the floor, you should be, seeing, okay, this guy's here. Here's my reaction. Oh, that guy's there. Okay. I'm going to do this. It's not thinking in the terms of, all right, I just kind of screwed up that, that last play. I got to come in. I got to be better on this play. And if I don't, if I screw that up, then, you know, I'm going to get into trouble. Man, I might get benched or it's going to be embarrassing to me. That's the thinking you can't have. But if you're a person like Jalen, who is constantly saying, Hey, this is a problem in the world. What if this, what if that, what if that, what if that, and let me tell you, I can relate to Jalen in that sense, because my brain works like that. And I had a hard time, even when I was playing like the, the shutting off your brain and staying in the moment is difficult. 
it's one of the hardest things that NBA players have have to do when you screw up, especially like you know mi- missing a couple of free throws. You know to 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 put the game into overtime when you when you miss shots when you have opportunities to to win a game and you don't or you get cut back door and it's obvious it was your guy it's easy to have that stuff cascade the process that Jalen has been going through I think recently of recognizing that has helped him kind of snap out of these things during the course of a game and it's what partly has allowed him to be the player that he is because when he gets out of his own head and plays basketball, he's awesome. He is just really, really good. When he tries to do too much and when his brain is clearly like messing with him a little bit, that's when he gets himself into trouble. But there's a balance for him. Like You have to be able to be yourself and, and have that kind of thought process, but also find a way somehow to, okay, I'm between the lines I'm turning into a different person. I'm turning into here and now guy and can't let those things get into, into your mind, into your way. And I thought he, I think he's doing a much better job of that this year. Like I've said, like I just said, uh, in the past, when he's had a bad game, when he's thinking and he's kind of out of it early, you just know that that's just going to be a lost game for him. Now you might have a quarter or a few minutes here and there but he, he's actually able to pull himself out of that. It's a big reason why he is as good as he is now. Uh, but it's, it's incredible to watch his progression. Here's a guy that's just, just stepping into his prime. Just stepping into his prime. You, you still don't know what he's capable of. That's, that's the amazing part to me. Him and Tatum, you just don't know what they're capable of. And I can sit here and say, here's what I think right now. And for this season, what do I think he should be? You know, there, there are certain things. But next season, season after that, season after that, what's he going to be? I, I don't know. I'm, I've learned a long time ago. You don't put Jalen Brown in a box. And I'm not going to do that. Congratulations to Jalen Brown for becoming an all-star. And I, as a journalist, a person whose job, I mean, journalism is in the name you can see it i'm i'm keeping a journal of events my job is to keep a journal of events that you see every day for the celtics and having been around jalen brown for many years and and basically covering him from day one either outside of the team like as a blogger or a podcaster or a freelance writer to now doing it full-time i'm i'm really uh fascinated by his growth and and who he he's becoming as a person and as a player it's amazing all right up next kelly Olenek, kelly Olenek rumors i'm gonna slow down and try to say that more clearly next time kelly Olenek rumors people are talking about it they're not telling you the full truth why it is super super complicated and i'll just get into that next first today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn jobs. I grew up in a small business. My dad used to own restaurants. Of course, I'm Greek. That's what we do. Uh, I was also at one point a hiring manager. So I had a pile of resumes on my desk. I know how hard it is to get the right people in the door so I can weed through the candidates and find the exact person that I need 
Well, LinkedIn Jobs actually helps quickly attract these qualified candidates to the jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, their comp- your company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Then you can identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them for fast and for free. And LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy for you to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications. It's all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. This is exactly what you need if you're hiring. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. That's linkedin.com slash MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. Make Locked On Game to Game your second listen. It's on the Locked On NBA feed, so if you subscribe to that, you are subscribed to Locked On Game to Game. Give both a listen. Game to Game is going to get you an update on every game. Both sides of the story get caught up on the night in the league uh, very quickly and uh, get the full story. It's on Locked On NBA on the Locked On NBA feed. Check it out where you get your podcast. Also on YouTube. All right, my guy Steve Bullpet put out a story on Heavy.com on Thursday that Kelly Olynyk uh, is drawing some interest from the Boston Celtics. Okay, that's great. Kelly Olynyk is a you know decent player, stretch five. Teams want him. Sure, Celtics want him. Sure, lots of interest. Celtics have interest in a lot of guys, but there are complications and. Unfortunately, there are a ton of rumors out there or a ton of stories about this one rumor, I should say, that don't tell you the whole story. They tell you, hey, hey, they're interested in Kelly Olenek and it might take a few guys to get to him. Uh, We'll see if it happens, but they're not telling you the downside or why it's not even likely to even get to that point. Here's why. Kelly Olynyk makes $12.8 million. $12.8 million. So right away, there's no traded player exception that the Celtics can take him into. So that's one avenue that's out. They can't do the Gallinari and Pritchard combination for two reasons. He's He makes more money than that combination can bring in. And Utah has a full roster right now. Now, it's possible that Utah can make some deals and structure their deals in a way if they're making other moves to open up roster spots. So right now, it's still possible uh, in the grand scheme of things. But the rule is you have to have enough spots on your roster to take in all of the guys you're trading for. Doesn't matter if you're cutting them right away. You can't have a full 15-man roster and make a two-for-one or three-for-one or four-for-one trade. It doesn't matter if you're cutting all those other guys. They have to fit on your roster first, and then they get cut. So, Kelly Olenek to Boston as a standalone deal right now, as it stands, can't happen. Because Boston would have to trade three guys, Gallinari, Pritchard, and Justin Jackson, 
to Utah for Olenek. They are full. They have a full roster. They don't have open spots. So they cannot take more than one for one. Never mind the fact that are they even interested in Peyton Pritchard? Do they even care about the return? Is it about draft picks or are they actually looking to get guys back? No one's talking about this part of this. All they're saying is, hey, Kelly Olenek, and he has these skills, and maybe you would take these guys, and you can match salaries this way. And yeah, you can match salaries this way, but the Celtics have only limited options. I don't think Utah would take that trade, even if they could do it. Why would you take back Pritchard and Gallinari and Justin Jackson? Justin Jackson doesn't play. He was on the summer league team trying to get back into the league. He's not that good. Gallinari is kind of toast. He's got one more year on his contract. Might have one more year left in him. After, after that ACL injury, I don't know how much he has left. He's like veteran guy. At that point, the Celtics might as well just keep him. Veteran guy on a good team. Can give you whatever minutes next year. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. Utah, they're not in a spot to take him. Peyton Pritchard, there's some interest in Peyton Pritchard in general. We've got to, we just got to accept that the league doesn't value him as much as we in Boston might want to value him. The league doesn't value him that highly. He's a, he's a nice player. He's a nice player. But matching 12.8 million is difficult, and the, the Jazz don't have the roster spots to make it happen. And on top of it, on top of it, in the piece, there's a source that tells Bullpet, I doubt that will happen. What? It's right in there. Olenek is a guy they have interest in, but I doubt that will happen, the source told him. Both teams are talking about the Celtics in Miami have had Olenek, uh, have had Olenek interest uh, in getting him back, but I didn't think that will happen. Just like I don't think a move for Jakob Pertl will happen either. I mean, there are people here talking, and in the middle of the stories, it's like, yeah, it's not going to happen. But people are like, oh, my God, Kelly. Did you hear? Kelly Olenek might happen. And within the piece, it's like, eh, probably not, though. But everybody's like, oh, yeah, man, Kelly. What would it take to get Kelly? And in the piece, eh, no, I don't know, man. You probably shouldn't react that way. But the trade rumors are out there. Wow, bump them up. This is why I hate this time of year, actually. You love it. I get it. I'm not trying to piss on your parade. You love it. And I'm, I'll give you all the trade content, but I'm going to give it to you the real way and not the fake way. The Celtics are going to have a tough time making a deal because they only have limited traded player exception, 5.89 million. That's the Dennis Schroeder one. They have the disabled player exception, 3.2 million for Danilo Gallinari. And they have a combination of assets, trade trade players that they can trade down Ari Pritchard, Justin Jackson, that gets you to about 12 and a half million, 12.8 million or so that gets you there. Grant Williams, probably not going to be traded. I don't think he's going to be traded. Rotation guys, not going to be traded. End of bench guys are going to move potentially. That's it. That's all the Celtics have. So brace yourselves. Maybe, maybe Brad Stevens, has a surprise up his sleeve. 
he's he tends to be one of those GMs or presidents of basketball operations that have the ability to keep things quiet, have good control over the front office and what leaks and what doesn't. So when it's super quiet, sure, when it's super quiet, you think, well, it's not, not much happening. But also with Boston, you might think, you know, G's operate in silence like lasagna. So that's possible that that Stevens could pull off a, a, a thing and you can try to pull off an Olympic move with three or four teams. But once you get past two teams, it's difficult. If you listen to Brian Windhorse on the Hoop Collective, he's been saying it a lot recently. A three-team deal is a no. A three-team deal is a no-team deal, and he's absolutely right. Of course, he's Brian Windhorse. But once you get into three-team deals, it's too complicated. It gets extraordinarily complicated. And for a guy like Olenek, now three-team deals happen when big monster names are are involved, and then other ancillary pieces are involved and a team with some space can hop in and be like, yeah, I'll take the salary dump. If you want to give me a trade, uh, a, a, a draft pick. Yeah. I'll be the third team in a deal. That's how three team deals happen. Or you don't have a roster spot. You have this useful player. I have cap space and need for a useful player. I'll be your third team. That's how three team deals happen. Three team deals for Kelly Olenek. So someone can take Peyton Pritchard, uh, and someone else can take and cut Justin Jackson. Nah, nah, that's not going to happen. Plus, the Jazz are over the, the the cap, so they have more limited options as well. They can't just absorb salary. Well, the lesson here is it's very difficult. I am trying to be real with you. I'm trying to give you the real facts so you can approach these trade deadlines with the right information. So you don't fall for these traps. A lot of people, a lot of editors are out there saying they're looking at page views and they want their writers to write about certain things because they get page views, right? That's the real thing that's happening. You put Boston Celtics trade rumors, colon, Kelly Olenek, blah, blah, blah. That is going to get hits on Google. That's going to get people clicking. And that's why these stories are being written. And that's why you're not being told all of the reasons it won't happen. They need you to believe it will happen. Luckily, my boss doesn't say, hey, write this up and just blow it because that's one of the advantages, of, honestly, of being behind the paywall. I can actually dismiss certain things and say, this isn't happening. I can actually be real with people. So thankfully, that's the case. Little plug for my gig at Boston Sports Journal. That's why you see a lot of rumors out there because there are editors. A lot of these writers who write them don't want to write that stuff. They don't want to write that. They have to, they're told to, because you are thirsty for information and they want to feed you all that stuff. You're going to click, 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 and they're going to get all the ad revenue. That's why there's so, there's so many people out there talking about it. That's the real story. All right. There's a new documentary out about Bill Russell uh, or coming out. Sorry about Bill Russell. Up next, I'm going to talk to the director of that documentary. It's a great conversation uh, that is coming up. Next, first, we are very excited to welcome FanDuel Sportsbook to the Lockdown family. 
It's the only app you need for your Super Bowl Super Bowl party. It's the number one sports book. We're the number one podcast network, so it makes absolutely perfect sense. You're not a member? Great. That's actually good because now you get to take advantage of some great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now. You can bet on Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You can bet on a lot of things like money line or point spreads or who scores the first touchdown, which I like the prop bets. That's I'll be honest, I don't follow football closely enough to know you know, a lot of the nuance. I'm like, hey, let's have some fun with it. Let's, let's take these prop bets. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, super easy to use. Best of all, when you win, you get paid instantly. That's awesome. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's really important. You got to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57 at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Please gamble responsibly. Coming out on February 8th on Netflix, four days ahead of Bill Russell's what would have been 89th birthday. It's a new documentary called Bill Russell Legend. It's a two-part documentary, again, released on February 8th, so next week on Netflix. It's directed by Sam Pollard. I had the privilege to talk to Sam Pollard about the documentary. Sam, thank you very much for uh, for joining me here. Uh, this hey, is exciting. A documentary, another documentary on Bill Russell. I know I and people like me are just, we can't wait to consume more Bill Russell content. Uh, what is it about this documentary that is is going to separate itself from from the past content? What what what's different for in, in this one? I think the big difference, John, is that we get an opportunity to see Bill Russell on the court and off the court. We can get your opportunity to see Bill Russell, probably one of the greatest defensive players, centers of all time. And we get an opportunity to see Bill Russell, civil rights and human rights activists who went to Jackson, Mississippi to support Charles Evers after the death of his brother, Meg Evers. We have an opportunity to see Bill Russell dealing with the Boston busing issue in the late 60s. We get an opportunity to see Bill Russell you know, at the March on Washington in 1963 to support Dr. King. We see Bill Russell going to Cleveland to support and understand why Ali had refused to go into the draft. We're looking at a man who was a wonderful team player, loved his team, but also was a black man in America who knew he had to stand up and stand out. That's the dichotomy of Bill Russell, uh, especially in Boston, where he was obviously the greatest champion that we've ever seen. But on the personal side, his relationship with the city of Boston was always strained to the point where he didn't want to come back and get his number retired publicly right. and, and all of that. Um, what, what in this talks about th that element of Bill Russell, who wore Boston on his chest to win and play basketball versus Bill Russell, who lived in Boston and had to deal with a lot of the things that he was fighting on a personal level. Yeah, for him, you know, listen, he comes as into the team in the late 50s. And even though they had, you know, the Houdini of the hardwood, you know, and Bob Cousy, the Celtics couldn't win a championship. And what does Russell enable his team to do? Enables them to become champions. What does Bill Russell have to hear, you know, 
even though he's become the linchpin of this team, most of those diehard Boston fans, the one they think the greatest player of all time on that team is who? Bob Cousy. So you know they had to rankle Bill Russell. And then here's a man who moves out to Reading, Mass, buys a house, and he has a struggle with the racism in the community. Someone breaking into his house, defecating in his family bed, you know. You know, it's and like when he decided to move to another house, people not embracing him wanted to buy, move into another house. So he had to constantly face this. Now, he loved being a Celtic. Mm-hmm. You know, he says in this film, time and time again, he loved his teammates. He loved being a member of the Celtics. He just didn't feel the warmth and the embrace of the Boston folks, the Boston people, you know, which rankled him. That's why he, that's why he wouldn't attend when they decided to retire them. But as I said previous, in previous other interviews, like a lot of people, he mellowed as he got older. You know, mm-hmm. you know, he mellowed. I mean, he let a statue be made, be built, created yeah. about him in Boston. You know, so he, he couldn't have been so angry with these fans by the end of his life. I mean, yeah, over the course of time, that that has that has uh, certainly, like you said, mellowed. Um, I do, I do think the the what he faced during his playing days was was really interesting, and and you know, not only because of the racism he faced, but because of the stances that he took. It's it's one thing to face racism; it's another another thing to stand up to racism and fight it the way he did, and that just puts more of a target on his back, right? Exactly, because listen. He was told back then, as you remember a few years ago, someone told LeBron James to shut up and play mm-hmm. because they see athletes of people who don't have any minds, don't have any intelligence. They just know how to get on a, on a baseball field or a football field or a basketball court or play the game, you know, just play the game. And, you know, even back then, there were, there were teammates on other teams, I mean, players on other teams who wouldn't speak out like a Bill Russell. I don't think Earl Monroe or... Walt Frazier, they spoke out like Bill did, you know. I mean, look at the and compare, compare which we dig into the you know the personality of a Will Chamberlain and the personality of a Bill Russell. Bill Russell was front and center as about being an activist, about speaking out. Will Chamberlain was just about Will Chamberlain, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I know in the history of this game, there are lots of basketball players who are the same way. <laughs> But for, yes. every, but for every Bill Russell, there's a LeBron James who speaks out or a Chris Paul who speaks out. Yeah. You know, there's players who will speak up and speak out and not worry about <clears throat> the consequences. Yeah, that's that, that's the uh, inspirational part of Bill Russell. And I know you talk to in the documentary current players, um, including Jason Tatum, uh, currently playing for the Celtics, uh, about the inspiration. Look, Bill wants when he was faced with racism in a game in the South, uh, took the black players and left, uh, in Kentucky. Yeah. And, and that, that is a, a, an incredible stance to take. And that story has been relayed many, many times. Fast forward to today where today's athletes are facing a lot of, uh, a lot of social issues that they're trying to take on. Uh, the biggest one was the George Floyd where, you know, that, that led to a lot of uh, protests in the bubble and all of that. What inspiration did you see from the current players that they drew from the actions and the words of Bill Russell? Well, what they drew is that you could speak out. You know, you, you have to be responsible for who you are, not just as a player, but as a human being. And they understood that. I mean, 
these players who are speaking out and standing up about what happened with George Floyd, they're standing on the shoulders of Bill Russell. You know, they understood that there's a responsibility you have as a sports figure, it's not just to play the game, not just to sign autographs, but when certain things happen in this country, you need to have a voice. You need to speak up and speak out. This documentary features the final interview of Bill Russell's life. Uh, yeah. What can you tell us about that interview? Um, just, just in general. Yeah, I would say this, that at that stage of his life, many of the memories that Bill Russell spoke about in that interview were memories like, you know this, John, when you get old, older, what do you start thinking about? The things you remember from your long ago past. Yeah. So some of the things Bill was talking about was things that happened to him at USF, things that yeah. happened to him in high school, the fact that when he graduated, when he when he got out of college, the Globetrotters approached him about mm. becoming a Globetrotter, and he refused. His father said, my son will never play for the Harlem Globetrotters. Those are the things that was in his mind. He wasn't as, I, I use this delicately, he wasn't as coherent about present day stuff as he might have been four or five years before. Sure, sure. Um, but it's always, it's always going to be great to hear from Bill. Um, I know, I know we, uh, especially now thinking back on, on his legacy, uh, now that he's passed, it's <clears throat> here to hear his words one more time is going to be, uh, both touching and inspiring for, for people in Boston. Um, what's the thing that, that when people are done with this documentary, I know it's a two part documentary when they're done what do you hope that people take away i hope they walk away saying man was he complicated <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was it was complicated. And that's, that's what made him great because one of the questions i asked steph curry in the interview did you what did you think of the fact that bill wouldn't sign autographs and yeah. steph's steph's response was so I honestly you know johnny said he didn't understand it because he believes that as a player, he does have a responsibility to sign autographs for fans because they pay, they buy tickets, they come out to see him, they buy his, you know, his his outerwear, they love him, you know, so he feels that it's not a wrong thing for him to sign autographs. So he didn't quite understand why Bill Russell didn't understand autographs because he does it, you know. I mean, oh, yeah. that that's what shows he, I mean, his whole rationale about his breakup with Will Chamberlain and how it didn't mm. really bother him that they weren't talking for years. That says a lot about this guy. <laughs> he kind yeah. of an ordinary, complicated man. But he needed that shell. He needed that thing to, yeah, to, to protect to himself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you go through what he's gone through um, to 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 kind of the, the story of him with Red Arback is so interesting because up until Red, that was the relationship that that with a coach that he could finally say, oh, this guy's actually into me for me and, and just who I am that's and what right, I am as a right. player. And, and that's, I think red is the first coach that he came across that said, you do you we'll we'll figure it out around you. And that that's part of why he blossomed. It's the only place I can think of where he really, truly opened up. Yeah, that's right. Because he did, he did have a tremendous amount of respect for red and red understood that he needed to be able to say, you do who you are and we will build that team around you. And that's why they. That's why when Red retired, they really couldn't find a coach. 
And that's why yeah. Bill became the one who would be co- who would coach the team because no one could handle Bill Russell like Red Auerbach could. That's amazing. Well, I, I'm I'm honestly I'm looking forward to to seeing this. It comes out next week. I know everybody in Boston is going to be dying to see this. Uh, Sam Pollard, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk to me about this. My pleasure, John. Thank you again to Sam Pollard, award-winning director and director of Bill Russell Legend. The definitive telling of the remarkable life and legacy of an NBA superstar and civil rights icon. This is going to be fun and informative and just amazing. It releases on February 8th on Netflix. It's a two-part documentary, Bill Russell Legend. Check that out. I do appreciate you checking out this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you're still here and you're not subscribed, please subscribe to the show. Uh, I'll be back with a bonus podcast post Suns. Hopefully they treat the Suns the same way they did the last time. And, uh, we can have some fun with that show as well. It'll be a little bit more informal show. The bonus shows tend to be a little quicker, 15, 20 minutes, uh, a little bit more, uh, just direct. Let's get in, let's get out, but it'll be an, a, a bonus podcast for you. So you can listen over the course of the weekend. You'll need something to listen to if you're in the Northeast this weekend. Oh my God. It's going to be like. 50 below so i'll give you something to listen to while you're sitting in front of the fire or hopefully staying warm please stay safe everybody stay warm and thank you for listening to the lockdown celtics podcast watching the lockdown celtics podcast right here on the lockdown podcast network your team every day